Thank you, Pastor Phil. Wow, I've got um, some big shoes to fill. If you weren't here this morning, uh, you may have heard that Pastor Phil preached an absolutely incredible message on grace. Um, it was so good. There were some great analogies. The way that you um, preached, Phil, it was so good. Um, and let me encourage you, we, our messages go online. So if you weren't here this morning and you want to hear one of Pastor Phil's greatest hits, I would, I would um, look that up. No, sitting pretty. So have a look. It's, um, it was a great message. It was a great message. So the month um, at the moment, what we are preaching on is grace for this whole month. I'm going to start off just by a quick definition of grace. Grace equals the free and unmerited favor of God, which is fueled by his great love, and it's manifested in the salvation of sinners. Grace, unmerited favor of God. I've got to say the greatest and most loving display of grace you could ever possibly see is in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, you know, <laughs> there's so much in that. The story of Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ, why he came, why he died, why he rose again, why. It, it blows me away. Every time I think about it, it's the most gracious display you could ever see. And it, and, and it says in uh, John 3.16, one of the most famous Bible scriptures, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And it, 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 it boggles the mind, because I think for us, a lot of people, especially young people uh, or people that are new to um, Christianity, they m get this weird sort of um, perception. And I don't know where it really comes from, but it's such a lie. And it's that Christ to be a Christian, you must be perfect. And to be a Christian, you can't do this, 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 and this, and this. And if you do this, then you are not a Christian. It's like, you, you, you what? You did that? Oh, you're not a Christian? Do you know what I mean? There's this weird perception that Christianity demands perfection. And God demands perfection, but being one of his people doesn't because of one, one person that I spoke of earlier, Jesus Christ. And we're just going to go on a bit of, of a journey about how this all works, how grace actually works and, and, and where it comes from. Um, let's just let's just clear one thing up. And Pastor Phil has cleared it up multiple times in his um, message this morning. It was it was a great message. Um, let's just if you have a Bible, can we just turn to Ephesians? I'm just going to clear one thing up straight away, straight off the bat. Garth Ball, he knows how to handle a bat. What were you, first grade for how many years? Such a good cricketer, Garth. Um, he's, he's a good wicketkeeper too. Yeah. Um, Ephesians 2. And we'll, and we'll just read out verse 8. 
For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. So what do, what do we learn here? We learn straight away that grace is not earned. You, you can't earn grace. You can't, you know, this, this perception where Christianity is, all these Christians, you have to be perfect. Um, that right there sort of tells us otherwise. We don't actually earn our salvation. We don't earn our right to call ourselves a Christian by being perfect. It's a gift. It says quite simply there, it says it's a gift. And it's by grace we have been saved. Can't earn it. Can't earn it. Um, When we first enter into a, a relationship with God... So much stuff happens. The moment you get saved, so much stuff happens. Your spirit becomes alive and all of this crazy, mysterious, ancient, crazy God destinies all start to align. You you start to begin your journey um, alive, really, really alive. You, be, you begin on your road of, of sanctification. This, this path begins in your life to walk out this road of sanctification. There's um, justification that takes place. All these cosmic uh, things take place the moment you get saved. One thing that struck me when we've been teaching on grace is the word redeemed. And when you... Give your life and, and submit it to Christ. When we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior, something that takes place is that we get redeemed. And redeemed is a is a really really cool word. Um, and I just want to have a look at what the dictionary. I've I've just been dictionarying it up lately. It's so easy when you've got an iPhone. You hear a word like. I don't know, if you hang out with the Kansas or Tim Phillips, sometimes they might throw a word out and you go, without your iPhone, type it in. Yeah, 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 I totally agree, yeah. Um, Dictionary is cool. And when I looked up the word redeem, I loved it. Um, And this is what I got from, I think it was the Webster's, I think. But anyway, I'll read it out. Redeem, to buy back, to get or win back to free from what distresses or harms, as to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to release from blame or debt, to change for the better, to atone for, to make good, to free from the ultimate consequences of sin. When, when we offered our lives... It sounds so silly when I say it like that. When we were saved by God, when we, when we entered into a relationship with God, we got redeemed. Wow. We were redeemed. By God's grace, we were redeemed. Who are the redeemed? I, I know I just said it. Yeah. That's right, Luke. We... We who have a relationship with God, who acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are redeemed. Um, and, and when we get redeemed, you know how I said all this crazy cosmic stuff starts happening when we get, get saved? 
there's, there's, there's byproducts that come out of being redeemed. When God redeems something, he doesn't just do it with, with no purpose. There's a purpose and there's a journey that comes with everything that God gives us. And let's just find out what God thinks about those he redeems. And so we're, we're just going to um, flick over to Galatians. Not too far, it's, it's just back a few pages uh, from that Ephesians scripture. And in Galatians 4, we'll start at um, 4, through to, uh, 4 through to 7. And it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons of God, uh, sorry, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. So when he redeems you, this, this idea of um, being not worthy and, and not good enough has to start to go away. Because the moment we were redeemed, he takes us and he pulls us into his family and he calls us his son, his daughter. He brings you into his family. That is a, um, quite a special, uh, it's a special piece of imagery there that, that God would bring us into his family. That's good. Um, now, grace, it, it, it doesn't stop here. This grace that brings redemption, it doesn't stop. It, it keeps going. Like I said before, it, our lives with God is a journey, isn't it? Our lives are a journey. If you're picking up on my really hopeless um, use of tense, um, I'm very sorry for that. Candace always corrects me with my tense. And I actually noticed that I stuffed up that bit of tense there. Oh, you didn't even notice. Oh, that's good. Good, good. Grace, grace, grace. Um, let's... Let's just go to Titus. Thanks, Luke. Let's go to Titus. We, we're just going to keep working this thing out. Um, now, as I said, there's this journey that, that takes place, and grace doesn't stop there. But when we get saved, we, we become a, a child of God, and I guess... Um, as a child of God, like when you're when you when you were a kid, you took um, great pleasure in in pleasing your father, you know, in in doing what what your dad wanted. Sometimes, I know um, I probably didn't do the best job at that, but I tried sometimes because I, I I loved my dad. Um, let's just let's just check out Titus. Uh, because this is important for us to grasp. Um, Titus 11, uh, 2, sorry. There's no such thing as Titus 11. Titus 2 and verse 11. And we're going to read through to 14. 
For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, there's something... There is... And and this is where a lot of people get confused... When you become a Christian, there is a way of life that God reveals for us to live. And it is a, and it is a um, moral and, and a good life, how to live. You don't, you don't just become a Christian and it's like, yeah, man, I'm, grace, God loves me, I'm forgiven, I've got all this grace. I'm just going to slap Martin in the face because I think it's funny. And then I'm going to steal his phone. You know what I mean? There's... It's probably not the right thing to do. And the reason why it's not the right thing to do is because it's not the right thing to do. But there's, there is this struggle because when you do become a Christian, all of a sudden, like this word says, by grace, we are, all of a sudden we see, um, okay, that's, a, that's probably not the right thing to do. I've got to go this way. And as we read this Bible and as we come and gather in community, we begin to see um, the kind of life that we should be living with God. But then I see, and it happens a lot with youth, I, I see that you're going along and you're learning this, this road of, of righteousness, this road of um, noble living for God. And I, and I find that sometimes I see people, and I ha- I've had many friends do this as I was growing up um, with God. They're going along, they're doing a great job, but then they blow it and they stuff up. They blow it and they stuff up and they sin like we all do. And they take it so hard. They go, oh, man, I blew it. Um, i got to get out of here. I can't come back for a while. I need to go away and I need to get right before I come back. Uh, look, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't come to youth this Friday night because, you know, I got drunk the other night or I... I did something silly with someone the other night and I can't go. I've got to have at least X amount of weeks before I can go back and be accepted back there. Do you know what I mean? And that happens a lot. And I've seen so many of my friends, I, one of my best friends, whenever he stuffed up, bam, I wouldn't, you wouldn't see him. You wouldn't see him in church for, for so long. And, and that does suck because we're running away from the one person that loves us the most and who is able to heal us, who is able to forgive us, we run away from that person. Oh no, I've stuffed it. Bang! And they go. When really, when we stuff it, we should be going, God, I'm sorry. Because, because why? Because he's not that God with a magnifying glass toasting you like an ant, like I did when I was little. I don't know why I did that. So mean, isn't it? But he's not that God. He's, he's, he's there going, okay, I can see that you stuffed it. I think I know that you're going to stuff it a thousand times more. I, I am, I, yeah, he is not surprised. He is not surprised that you're not perfect. 
the whole idea of him sending his son was because he realized that we're not perfect. So it's at this moment when we stuff up, that's when we should be running to God, youth and young adults and everyone. We've got to run to God because he is there ready and willing to... What happened, Garth? Oh, hang on. There we go. He is there ready and willing to forgive us, to mend us, to give us strength and to go on. Now, something really um, stood out to me as I was reading that Titus scripture. And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a life of self-control, upright and godly lives in this present age. Now, and when I read that, I was like, okay, God's grace... It teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no. God, notice God didn't say his grace will make you say no. His grace doesn't say that you will say no. He says he teaches us. He is very, very aware that you're not going to live a perfect life. This is what grace is all about. This is why it's so amazing. He doesn't say you will. He just says, it will teach you. It will teach you. And the more we spend time in grace, the more we allow ourselves to to rest in God and to marinate in this grace, the more it becomes easier to say no to the things that the, the Scripture spoke about. It also says in that passage, at the end of it, it says that it enables us to be eager to do good. It doesn't say that you will do good. As soon as you become a Christian, you will never stop again and you will be eager. No, you will do good, period. It doesn't say that. There's something that takes place. The more we spend time with God, the more we spend in his grace, the more eager we become to do good. And that's what's so amazing about grace. The more time you spend with God, the more time you're in his grace. And the more time you're in his grace the easier it is to say no to the things that aren't so good for us and the easier it is to be eager to do good. You get some people and they hate it when people say, look, we've got this thing happening in church and we're, we need all hands on deck. We're going to do a carols night and we're going to... Um, it, it was all hands on deck that time. We had people building the stage. We had people mowing. We had all this stuff, people running stores, collecting money for sausage sizzles, cooking the sausage. We had so many things to do. And then you, you get some people and they're like, oh, so I don't want to do that. Damn, I'd rather do a million other things than, than do that. I think when we spend more time in his grace, because I, I get that like that sometimes, especially I've been in church now for 15 years in this church. And there's been some things that have been... Um, asked of me, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I don't want to do that. No way. Paint the fence. I don't want to paint the fence. I don't want to, I don't want to move, um, what do you call it, scaffolding around? Oh, I, don't, I don't want to do that. And, and I still don't want to do a lot of things sometimes. And then when I, when I don't, I go, oh, I, gotta be, I need to spend more time in His grace. Because when I do, I become eager to do what is good.
I become eager to do good works the more I spend in his grace. And I tell you what, that must mean that Jimmy James spends a lot of time in God's grace because that guy, that guy, look at that guy with the sweet hair and the mo. I've never seen a guy that's more eager to do good. He is one eager dude. Good on you, James, for being eager. Let's go to Romans. Now, this is, let's, let's read through this and get your thinking caps on. I used to love it when my teacher said that. Get your thinking caps on. I was like, oh, yeah, get my thinking cap on. And then I always daydreamed, so it never worked for me. So hopefully your thinking cap works better than mine. But let's, get, let's go through this. Romans 3, 21 to 26. Okay. But now a righteous man from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed before unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God yet are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God is fully aware and fully equipped for our imperfection. He is totally aware and has always been so full of grace, he's been ready all along for our shortcomings and our failures. And something that always spins me out and I've touched on it. I, I become a Christian when I'm 15, 14, sorry. And I do life and I'm, I'm ripping. I'm going so good. And then I stuff up. And then I go to God and, and he, loves, he loves on me. When my, my understanding is punishment, he changes it. And then he loves on me and he, and he shows me grace. And it goes over and over and over again. And it happens in my life over and over again. Yet this grace doesn't seem to stop. It, it just keeps flowing. It keeps flowing. It keeps flowing. Uh, and, I, and, and then I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. And then I stop up. But then it, it, it keeps going and going and going and going. Grace. And let, I'm just going to read. Uh, give me a second here. There's... I wrote down this massive chunk of my ponderings. Um, yeah, that's right. We get this uh, this understand this this understanding because it, there's part truth to it of that God demands perfection, and there is truth to that. He does demand perfection, but it's. 
knowing that we can't be perfect, this is the whole thing about Jesus coming and dying on the cross. He actually does demand perfection, but knowing that we couldn't provide it, he then provided perfection for us. So that when we put our faith in the perfect one, Jesus Christ, we come under his covering, we come under his blood that was shed for us, and all of a sudden we, we become perfect. Now that's a, that's a concept that you're going to have to spend the rest of your life figuring out, the ins and outs of it. But the important thing is, is that you realize this is truth. This is truth. That God loves you so much. And being God, demanding perfection, realizing that you could not be perfect, sent his son, the perfect one, to die, to shed his blood so that we could come under his blood and be under his perfection by our faith in him and receive the best grace, the best love, the best relationship you could ever have in the world. And let's just give God a clap for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Relationship with God is the greatest thing you could ever have. It's the best thing you could ever have. And that's something that you can study for the rest of your life too. <laughs> the, the blessings, the ramifications of being connected to God in your life are so vast that it would take a long time to actually realize how much blessing you receive, receive, receive from having a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God, like I said, when you get saved, there's all these things that start ticking over, start taking place. The ramifications of a life who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is astonishing. It freaks me out. Now, grace continues. We've, we've, we realize that what grace is about. We realize um, God's heart behind it, but it continues, and it, and it does. Like I said, it, when we spend more time in it, it makes us eager. It, it makes us realize the things that we shouldn't do, and it makes us eager to do the things that we should do. Now, let's, I, I, I spoke about a, oh, from a scripture, actually, just before, it was Ephesians. So if we just quickly go back to Ephesians, um, and we'll go back to Ephesians 2 again. Hey, skipping over that. Um, Ephesians 2, and we'll go back to 8, where I read from before. Um, so yeah, God's calling us, by His grace, to become eager to do good works, right? Yeah? Um, so we begin to realize that God is calling us to do good works. Calling us to do good works. He's calling us to do good works knowing full well that we are not perfect. But he still wants us to do the best work ever. He's calling us to do a good work even though we're imperfect. And he's down with it. Why? Because of grace. Let's just read Ephesians 2, and we'll, go, we'll start at 8. But this time we'll go through to 10. Okay? Um, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Wow. Let's, let's just check this out again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Love it. Now, what's happening is on Vision Sunday, there's going to be a lot of good works presented to you. A lot of good works presented. Um, we've heard about Camp Works tonight, the, the ministry that um, ministers to kids whose parents are in prison. That's one of the ministries that come out of this church. We've got, there's so many ways that we can do good works and it's all going to be presented on Vision Sunday. I want everyone to come along to that. Everyone to get along to Vision Sunday. It's going to be both services and it's the 26th, yeah? The 26th of February. Come along because our good works are going to be presented to you and I want to encourage you to spend time from now, right now, if you're not connected in a, in a ministry in this house, if you're not lending your hand to the good works that are here, God, God's gracious. But let me put out the challenge. If you're not involved, maybe spend a bit of time with God. Spend a bit of time in His grace. Become eager to do something of worth, something of eternal worth. And have a look on Vision Sunday what you could lend your hand to. We've got Feeding the Homeless out at Gosford. We've, we've got SG Tugra that blow up every Friday night. We've got, we've got this, this land and we've got this, this vision and this dream to, to see this church become an absolute God center <laughs> with all kinds of stuff going on and that takes funds. Maybe you can't. You, your business or, or, or your work might demand so much from you that you can't even do anything else other than maybe send some money. But that's great. Send money to the house. That helps us to do good works. Like Candace said, um, sending a child to, to camp works actually costs money. And you guys did so brilliantly in that you raised some money and we're on our way to sending at least one um, to camp works. A lot of this good works does take funds. And so maybe that's how you're going to do it. Maybe that's how you're going to um, lend your hand and become eager to do good works. Maybe it is being a connect group leader. Because I know, I said it this morning, I know that there are connect group leaders in this church that aren't connect group leaders right now. And they're ducking and weaving. They're going, oh man, I don't know if I can give up one night a week or one night a fortnight or however many nights. Every night. No. I know you're out there. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. Spend time in His grace. Have a think about it. Have a think about running a connect group. Because I know that there's a need in this house for connect groups. We've, you look at the youth, their connect groups are rocking pretty hard. Young adult connect groups are rocking pretty hard. We, and do you know what's, what do we see? What are we seeing happen in these connect groups? Between this, we're seeing community. We're seeing each other being built up. There's, there's so many good things that come out of a connect group. And when I was young, I went to Nara Valley Baptist Church, and my parents were in connect groups their whole life. And I remember seeing them. And, and the coolest thing that I, that I ever saw was my parents 
with all these other older people coming together and praying and seeing God move in their world. That was such a testimony to me as a kid. You know what I mean? I go, wow. I remember my parents, this is just a quick side note before I wrap it up. I remember seeing my parents, they couldn't have another child after me. They were a lot of, lot of complications, so many complications actually. And there were some really um, heartbreaking moments for my parents. And I remember my parents in a connect group coming together and praying and my sister was conceived. There's some, I, I believe that connect groups, I'm, I'm off track now, I know, but I believe that connect groups, you, you've got the word, as a Christian, we are to get into the word, we are to pray, and we are to connect. They're the three essentials. Let me just challenge you with that. Get in a connect group. Get in a connect group. Now, I've spoken a lot tonight on, on grace, and I've spoken a lot about what happens and why, what happens when we receive grace, why, why we were given grace in the first place. And it all hinges on God's great love for us and his burning desire to be in relationship with us, realizing that we are not perfect on our own, that we make mistakes. And so in that knowledge, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect one. And he died on a cross and he rose again.